Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tisa Bryant. Thanks, Noel. Um, wow, it's a great crowd. It's wonderful to see you all here to celebrate uh, Douglas Kearney's new book, Patter. Which I, you've seen it. It's beautiful. There's lots of them back there. And um, when you purchase this, of course, you support an independent artist and an independent bookstore. Um, so that's where your money is going. Um, there's no real middlemen here. So please, it's a great gift. Give it to people. Teach it. Buy it. Um, I'm also Douglas's um, colleague at CalArts. Um, our offices are across from each other, and um, he's on creative leave uh, this semester, which is wonderful for him and a little sad because um, we're, we miss him, and he's fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that sounded, but I'm just going to read. I'm going to stick to uh, my text here. Okay, so it's a treat to be with you. I already said that. In preparing to do a brief introduction to Doug's reading and to the book, there were a number of words that I crossed out. Courageous, brave, dynamic, energetic, and brash. Not because they aren't germane to Douglas's work or aren't true to his performing self, but because they're easy to say. Patter is a book about what is not easy to say, about life, about love, about one's body or of the beloveds, about failure or faith, grief, and isolation within it, much less the thing that poetry is supposed to promise, empathy. Empathy between bodies, of flesh, of text. I remember one of my first responses to these poems in draft form, that this is a challenge to my feminism. I felt territorial and defensive of women's bodies, this woman's body, here in the text and the one that I know. And yet I knew I was in the presence with these poems of what often remains unsaid by husbands, lovers, and fathers about miscarriage, the bloody life loss, the devastation of confidence and privacy, the spectacular silence among men, as if the word howl in this context is suddenly and only accessible in the poetic feminine, becomes shriek, becomes moan, and I guess I just wanted to be sure the shrieks and moans were his. In being honored to read these poems as they came to be, I had to sit with myself and with Doug in ways I hadn't quite before to know the truth of how his moans and shrieks are here. The tremendous fortitude and risk of making life and making writing about that life, not as object or subject, but as love. 
I felt the risk and was and am alternately proud and afraid for him, which means he's on point. So my defensive, man, you can't write this, became emphatically, brother, you must. And he did, was going to anyway, no matter what, and that is the gift among many we get from Douglas Kearney. So please join me in welcoming him to the mic. See, I, I was like, Tisa, will you introduce it? Because no, she really was a big part of the process of writing these poems. I'm gonna, I'm gonna thank a few people before I start because I have a tendency to get so involved in what I'm doing that I forget to act like I have some home training. So, <laughs> first, thank you all for coming out here tonight, Thursday night. I really appreciate the support um, and I hope to earn you buying the book tonight. I really do. Um, but even if you're not here to do that, thank you for being here because this book, uh, it took a lot to make this book. Um, and, so, and so I'm glad that you're all here. Um, I'd also like to thank Red Hen Press, uh, who published my first book in 2006, Fearsome. And they have supported me since then. Um, been ardent supporters. They saw this book. They let me design the book. They let me really develop the book. And they have been such pros and troopers for me that it's, it's great to have an independent publisher who will leverage that much skill and that much passion behind it. So thank you, Red Hen Press. Um, thanks, my, thanks to my family. Um, this book was made in an attempt to start a larger family. Um, and many of the poems chronicle the trouble of uh, trying to do that, as uh, Tisa pointed out. But I want to point out specifically people in the audience today. Um, you know, my, my, my wife, Nicole, um, who, who went through hell. Um, my mother-in-law, who went through hell she shouldn't have had to go through. My brother-in-law, who is, even from San Diego, there. My brother, who I just saw ghosting over there. <laughs> who, who put in an order for a niece and a nephew and, and, and got it, right? So I appreciate that extra, because I'm not tall enough guy when they see me in Dallas, it's hard to turn down. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, my aunt, my uncle, uh, just family. I'm seeing family who are here, um, cousins, everybody. Um, Noel, thank you. And Skylight, again, thank you. This is where I premiered my second book, um, and I'm honored to do it again here. Um, friends, I'm going to stop. Um, but please know that that anything that anybody ever said to me that was encouraging um, when we were going through the difficulty of having, of trying to have kids, that, that made this book possible. Um, gosh, okay, so, you know, let's, that's like a downer. It's kind of emotional downer. So I was told a long time ago that it's wise to begin a poetry reading or an individual poem with, um, with, with, with kind of joy or whimsy. Right, something uplifting. So, 
The miscarriage, a list of 10 euphemisms for use in stage banter. Foxes looted the coop. God marked your copy. Cherries damned the flume. A kite fell in April. An apple burst the nest. Some Seminoles fled the field. Our wagon crashed, but we just saw the heart in the furrow. Four alarm beat three days ago and next the doll factory. Roses weak as Father's Day choke the cabbage. Red ants blitz the sugar bowl. The miscarriage, a magic trick. One, stash scarlet silks in a lady's skirt. Two, plant her among the crowd. Three, call your shill to the dais. Four, lay her on your table. Five, conceal her with your bedsheet. Six, distract the crowd with patter. Seven, apply a slight between her thighs. Eight, take hold the silk's loose corner. Nine, pull till it pools on the floor. Presto! The miscarriage, a silent film, to be shot without color. Title card, peril at Red River. Exterior, Red River, 4.30 a.m. Medium shot, baby in hamper rushing down river to edge of frame. Effects note, for baby, use sheets, wadded. Tracking shot, car racing the riverside. Interior, car, a wife and husband. Husband driving after baby. Wife cradling her belly. Title card, will they make it in time? Exterior, 4.35 a.m., long shot, waterfall, riverbed. The miscarriage, a minstrel show. Husband, pull your papers of their sandwich immediately, says your beloved. I uh, hear's not a cock crow, but a crow crow. Morning broke, not water, but tomato. Listen, my darling, and I tell you not to consummate melon in our palate. Consummate? Present tense to consummate. Ah, uh, but smudgy poo, if an I mix to eat sweet Georgia ham, anatomically speaking, mustn't my palate get a piece? Look at here, smoke screen. Ain't shit anatomic thought this watermelon juice spilled betwixt and between my legs. Sheets to glory pink. Then I ain't red-handed, you're red-gammed. Taint melonade if I ain't ate any. Sides, I ain't seed no seeds by your fanny. Hog, hog, slop, and hog, slop head. They're making Georgia ham seedless now. The stain's the thing. Seedless? Then alas, I guess I was undoed. Yes, undoed, and she done, so I was undid. They cakewalk to the wings, enter bones. The miscarriage, a bar joke. Two guys walk into a bar. First guy says, yo, guy, why are you so down? Second guy replies, my wife just had a miscarriage. First guy says, I know exactly how you feel. I just had my girl get an abortion. The miscarriage, a poetic form. Internal rhyme, perfect. 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 Volta. Internal rhyme, slant. Internal rhyme, slant. Internal rhyme, slant. Volta. Internal rhyme, broken. You know, if you watch cable, you know, you'll see a lot of like Bill Cosby, like the Cosby show, like reruns. And it's great because I remember watching that show and Bill Cosby was mean as hell, right? I mean, if you, if you remember like the shows that he, the, the stand-up that he built that show on, like Bill Cosby himself, like there's, there's, there's all this talk about like beating children, like, like 
beating them. And it's like, and then later on, he's like, oh, you know. But you know that, like, you know, when when them kids come down those stairs and they're like this, you know, like that for some, like, like Bill, the like Cliff. And Claire had like worn them out. And the other thing that was interesting about that show is how often the episodes ended with them in bed. So, you know, that was like a body house, a body house. I learned so much about parenting from Bill Cosby. <laughs> Raise to be daddies to ascend steady into cruelty. A tabby bats a wren upwise. Now see my children fall. They rise? That's fine. No cries? Great, but their arms, like chick beaks, call to me. My arms give no reply. Fine, a plea strikes some hollowed place. Darlings, call that flight. Next one, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of poems that weave in and out of the book called Father of the Year or Fathers of the Year. And basically these are the people and, and entities whom I look to um, to model my own parenting after as a father. These are the models that I have. Um, and so this first one is, uh, is it, there's, there's several, so it's fathers of the year. So there's Abraham, Yahweh, and Joseph. Now Abraham, right, was, you know, Father Abraham, Abraham, right, from the Bible. So Abraham was this great father who worshipped a great father, God, right? And, and God one day said to Abraham, hey, Abraham, do you love me? And Abraham's like, yeah. Yeah, I love you. And God's like, nah, nah, nah. Do, do you love me? And he's like, yeah, God, you're being weird. Yeah, I love you. And it's like, uh, yeah, I love you. It's like, okay, you know what you can give me for Father's Day? And everybody's like, whatever you want, man, totally. And, and God's like, kill your son for me. <laughs> and Abraham's like, okay. And so he goes up, you know, when son got the knife, he's about to bring it down. And then this angel of the Lord comes down and says, wait, Abraham, you sick. Yeah, you sick bastard. You were going to do it. You were totally going to do it, weren't you? You're so sick. No, God doesn't want you to do that. It's okay. Right? And so, and so Abraham's like, okay, yeah. Right? So that's Abraham. And then there's, of course, Yahweh, who's the guy who set all that up, but also um, sent his son for the rest of us um, to, be, to be saved. So, you know, so number one son, sacrifice, but the rest of us. So that's Father of the Year. And then there's Joseph. And you might think that because I've been in the Bible with this, that this is also a biblical Joseph. But no, no, no. This is Joseph Jackson, the father of the Jackson uh, musical dynasty. Um, so yes, Abraham, Yahweh, Joseph, fathers of the year. Amen. Amen. I think I love you. Amen. Show me what. You can do, daddy on the almighty mountain with daddy's heat across his neck, sharp stone at his son as the sun's shanks go down, go his one, two, three, stop, you better say that, daddy, the almighty mountain, neck full of sharp heat, his son, you better say that, shanked on the mount, mounted across, go sun, 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 the stone gone, never could say no, no, no. Daddy, the stone full of sharp at his sons. One, two, three. You better. No, no, no. Almighty neck shake. One, two, three. You better. No, no, no. Cross, cross down to the sun. One, two, three. You better. No, no, no. Go down at sharp mountain. One, two, three. You better. No, no, no. Not stop. I'll be there. <laughs>
right. So, all right. So, so another funny story. I, I, I have a reading tomorrow in New York. I'll be flying out of here at 11.30 tonight. So I'll have like these bi-coastal, there's like some Kanye level promotional <laughs> activity. In less than 24 hours, I will appear live, coast to coast, doing these readings. But I promise you, Los Angeles, I'm giving you everything I have. <laughs> So, if I leave here sounding like Tom Waits, that's what they get in New York. Because I'm giving it to you. And I love you. And the more you hear from this book, the more you'll learn to love my love. Because that's what this book is about. It's all about love. <laughs> so, the next poem is about um, the love that children have for their toys. No, 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 that's not quite. It's about the love that many of us have for uh, cultural illiteracy. Um, this poem is called, uh, Thank You, But Please Don't Buy My Children Clothes with Monkeys on Them. Now, this poem, some of you might have heard about the event that sparked this poem, right? There's a room full of like, you know, swarthy people and, and allies of swarthy people. And, you know, so you might have got an email some time ago that said, yo, we need to boycott Costco because they have this jacked up doll, right? They have a jacked up doll. And the jacked up doll is this. Okay, so, so you have these dolls. You have a doll, a little human doll, and that doll has a little animal doll. Right? And the entire complex of doll with the doll is named after the animal doll. So like if you have a blonde doll, let's say a blonde doll with a panda doll, then the blonde doll with the panda doll and the doll whole doll is called pretty panda. Right? If you have a brunette doll, right, say she has a teddy bear, then uh, that doll, that doll doll is a pretty teddy or, t or tender teddy or something like that. And then so the whole doll is called tender teddy. And if you have a black doll and she has a monkey, then the whole doll is called Lil Monkey. Why y'all laughing? <laughs> y'all lucky my kids is here, so I'm only cussing during the poems because of their integrity. <laughs> I'm not compromising my artistic integrity. Quote, Costco pulls little monkey dolls off shelves, end quote. Thank you, but please don't buy my children clothes with monkeys on them. See what it do and do what it do. Say what it is. If evil, hear what it do. Swing some into history's way. If evil hear, who hear it? A tree fall in the rig jungle. Nobody here but us. What? If evil here, who see it? What? Some see what some get the get of the once got. How much that little monkey in the window. If evil here, who speak it? Do retail, retail the retailing of nobody here but us. History has a way it do what it do. If throughout history, black baby bottoms as blue as a baboon's nose. 
Biff. Throughout history, black babies get blue black bottoms till the stump of their circumcised tails black over. And a circumcised black baby tail must not be discarded but kept for later for show. Thus, a circumcised black baby's tail was often for showed after removal in a jar or dried on the mantle below the buck bust. IF. Sing a blues of black bottom. Sing a blues of blue black bottom. If. Throughout history, history has a way with bluing black babies. Or. Say history has a history of blacking black babies. Or if. History has a history of blue blacking black babies blue. E.g. Peekaboo black babies back a black mama gut bucket blues. I.e. You want to see Ma's black baby? And Jigaboo Black Babies is history blacking over a blue-black hide. Thus, Picayune Black Babies is history's way of knowing black babies is discarded to hide its history of blacking black babies blue as a baboon's as nose nose tails. QED. Pitiful black at the bottom babies. Precious little monkeys. Curly cute tails troop queries on my babies. Curious little monkeys. And the uninformed overseer. Who can tame them? Unruly. Little monkeys, no ways tired with new IDs and bipedal reveries. Musing, little monkeys is pointless. Stick them with sticks, big leaps from their green tenements. Angry, little monkeys, go chew on the saw of fruit, falls when ripe. Wait, hungry, little monkeys, smiling. Little monkeys, climbing pajamas, my daughter's onesie, leering. Little monkeys, pincer the cribs, bent senators, hissing in little monkey beards. Little monkeys, hands all murder shot, put your hands up. Little monkeys, shot, love for little monkeys. Little monkeys, humans over little monkeys, punk. Little monkeys over babies, bucking on the lamps, messing the lights, smearing little monkeys shadows on my son's face. Little monkeys gibber from the nursery, porch, the street. Little monkeys, aha, freeze. Little monkeys, little monkeys found my baby's clothes like blood, like shit. Little monkeys, no, no. Little monkeys, thank you, no. Little monkeys, no, no, thanks. No, no, no. Ah! Black babies is born fit with Looney Tune gloves over fists of bristling opposable thumbs. Black babies in monkey suits as nude as birds save onions and sheets over their genital bunches. Black babies' genitals learn to sign quickly. They do what they see and they don't stop no show. Black babies is last seen as blacker than not, and they can't stay getting away with it. Black babies is found up in trees and on sidewalks. We fetch them with dustbins and mops when it's done. Thank you. But please don't. Bye, monkey. Um, so let me do a couple of other things. Do a couple of other things. I want to do this poem, which is good because you're here for a poetry reading. This is a poem called Father to Be Takes Himself for a Walk. And let me tell you guys a funny story, a true one. So the night before you are going to leave high school successfully, having completed everything you need for your diploma, you know what the next day is going to be. That's going to be graduation. Um, for those of us who are legally allowed to get married and choose to do so, uh, the night before you go to get married, what might you have? A bachelor party or a bachelorette party, right? Right? Um, you know, so you have these things, right? But what you come to learn in our culture, because typically, uh, you know, birth is something that we don't predict the precise time of with any real accuracy. We don't have a, it's your last night as not being a parent party night. There's no thing that you get to do because <laughs> that entire party would have to be like held in the hospital parking lot and that's not a nice place for a party. Um, however, um, in our case, we knew the precise moment that our children would be born um, because they were going to cut them out of my wife. And we knew when that was scheduled. So 
we were at the hospital at Good Samaritan, you know, so right near downtown LA, um, right in downtown LA, really. And uh, the night before this happened, I tried to figure out what I was going to do to commemorate this. So I decided to walk down 6th toward MacArthur Park <laughs> at about 7 o'clock. And I thought it would be a really good idea to walk down 6th toward MacArthur Park and mad dog people as I walk down there. <laughs> to just kind of like, you know, people are minding their own business at food for less buying. I'm just going to walk along. <laughs> so fortunately, the people of MacArthur Park were like, there is a crazy Negro wandering our streets. This is clearly a trap. We are going to let him just walk by with whatever is bothering him. He must be about to have twins. Um, and so following this uh, failed attempt to either get in jail or killed or something, um, <laughs> you know, now that right there is the most post-black moment you will ever experience in your life. And I, and as a skeptic of post-blackness, I feel that my intellectual integrity requires that I say that it happened because I was a black man trying to get arrested or hurt and I couldn't. Thank you, Obama. Thank you. You did it with your magic swarthiness. Um, but after this failed attempt, I decided to think the better of things. And so I went to eat. Um, after this because I couldn't, you know, get the hunger beaten out of me. So I went to Fred 62, got in the car, drove up there after a long conversation with a friend of mine named Jason, who also trains me in martial arts, um, and explained to me why I was freaking out. This poem is called Father to Be Takes Himself for a Walk. Out! The final hospital stays a leash, so I'm bound to the bed and lay a week in. Weak to the beep of her flash flood blood Run these mudslide years of red I scratch at the window like some mutt The night before strangers dump the trash Ends a shotgun aimed at us Come dawn, her doctor pulls her trigger Bucks me into father My stomach guards my wilting cock Snarls at trespassing clocks And gnaws her steepled fingers I leave her there for food Beg! A fucked week sick with Korean burritos. Half-breed Kamita muck-dying my withering wallet. That food truck chuckles to the hospital's lot. His parking stubs stay at Daily Max. Damn, I am tonight too mutt for Calbee, kimchi, tomatillo. I'm full of what I don't comprendo. The dust's a bloody chuck patty on the greasy griddle sky. The stars, they sizzle. They pop. Heal! Walking West 6, my shadow shies from MacArthur Park's heat and shivs. Not me, though. These new mongrel senses are open wounds among lemon-tinted storefronts. But what's it to know when today come yesterday, I'll no longer not be a father? So long as tomorrow is tomorrow, and yesterday's yesterday stays nearer to the bloody years of not knowing, yet I'm not long for what I've been so long, and so near to what I'm going to. Tonight, I am just a man and not quite a father, so nearly not just a man, and so... Dabbling shop glass of bright ads, my reflection halved, all I can't read as I pass. Down! 
My eyes sick the bustling food for less. My pissant shadow rank as a cur's piss. I pack no pistol, speak no Spanish. What future? Unborn name sud, my black ass lips. My heart a red dick out my head's hairy sheath. My own dick abuts my haunch. Somebody put me down! Down a side street, overgrown terraces calamitous with foreignness. Swearing the curb cars are explosions fixing to be cut out themselves. I'm down the street's dividing line. My nose busted with cumin, menudos, cinnamon. Speak! I die at dawn, so I set to prowl the mongrel hours. God's silvered eye, hounds, foods, and children. Stupid, childish man's heart pump no Kool-Aid, though. I bark at near dark. Who wants some? I could upchuck my lupine alarm at sudden blood. But with sun comes soon some new tether to hitch my throat and stifle now knee, even now, pants now, shook and up now, stand now, dawn now, these dull teeth. Say the names, boy, speak. And the names are Elijah and Kalila. Those are the names of my children who are here tonight. That's for you, y'all. Y'all getting clapped for. They're, they're very tired. I told them Thank you so much. I told them that daddy was going to yell, but I'm not really angry. I'm pretending. You ain't fooled, yeah. I know. I'm saying, man. They just like, dang, they traumatized. But I'm, but this is life with me, children. I'm sorry. But I love you. Um, so I'm going to do um, some poems I wrote for both of them. There you go. See? See? Uncle Dallas and Uncle Dude. Everybody's arranging things. <laughs> Fixing it for me. It's great. So I'm going to read a couple of a couple of poems that are directly uh, written for them. Um, uh, how many people here um, were uh, in LA? When was this? Was this like this is like 2011, November of 2011? We had those windstorms. Y'all remember? Y'all remember? Yeah, like like these windstorms just came and knocked everything like crazy um, for a few days. Knocked everything asunder. I should say. I should not throw around the term crazy. That's not appropriate. Knocked everything asunder. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say a lot of stuff that I'm not serious about tonight. I'm serious about that. I shouldn't throw that around. Um, knocked everything asunder. Um, my kid, Elijah, um, was woke up first one of these mornings. It was very cold. Um, um, you know, not even just cold for California. It was like in the 40s, and, and we didn't have power. So it was very cold in the house. Um, and we were changing him. And in the middle of changing him, he made this sound. Um, and that sound uh, is what this poem is about <laughs> a poem about yeah this time the poem is about that sound in some ways and this poem used to be called that moan but i fixed it because it wasn't working and now it's called heirloom for elijah the windstorm strewn shit mars the yard where two dawns pitched in the blackout since my boy's diaper groins wet as blueberries and winter's crowfoot scritches there no, I did what I should in changing him, but was it black-blue quills or I goaded that welted moan strung up his fretted throat? The hand-me-down sounds not mine, but anti-juk juju pulls me to his patterol, parchment, manacle. The boy's eyeballs clench, then turn me loose, glare toward our sliding door, scourged air 
wrenched trees, the turd dark dirt, and roots upturned asunder. And, and, and this poem is for Kalila. Um, and Kalila, uh, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny that both of these poems are written for, you know, sounds from them. Poet. Um, uh, but we were teaching our children um, about their anatomies. And, you know, we bathe them together because we're cheap um, and impatient. And so we're bathing them. And so, uh, you know, they're learning about each other. And, you know, Kalila's like, what's that? And well, that's Elijah's penis. And she looks at herself and she says, my penis. Now, you know, I teach at CalArts. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, I can't, you're like, well, no, you don't have a penis. No, I can't, you no know, lack, right? So, you know, we have to, have to figure out how we're going to maneuver around that difference that's there. Um, and all of our efforts were largely uh, spent because for whatever reason, Kalila was much more interested in having a penis. Um, and so one day at the playground, she called out the playground. We have a little playground in the complex where we live. She called out to you know, some of the other kids and parents while my, my wife, her mother was there with her and said, I have a penis. Mama has a penis. <laughs> and like Joe Jackson, I'm going to ride my kids into fame. This poem is called <laughs> I Have a Penis, Mama Has a Penis. A song in me of my daughter's wayward penis, twin to her brother's stolid one, gone on its hero's wanderings, audacious penis. It's nautical, my daughter's penis, a craft of sail, propeller, or oar, madcap ship of the frothy bath sea penis. It's thonic, my daughter's penis, unseen mine car of the dank didior, in the brimstone stony shit cave's deep penis, twin to her brother's stayed one, her sly penis, sways like rye rye down by a briar patch, brown cackling rabbit penis. My penis, my penis, she shouts, grinning at her denim, the wee shorts waistband's pink bone nodding, a nothing finger. Remember your penis, penis. Like a balding friar, I murmur, vagina, vagina, the V's open scissor, the A's snip shut, but her impossible hydropenis sprouts anew two at a time, rockets to the front like fighter jets, chief master sergeant penis. I have a penis, mama has a penis, she hollers, how her penis colonizes and occupies, conqueror, liberator penis. I teeter at her swelling ranks and slip upon the blood slick weight, panting, vagina, Vagina, the word red with cockamamie menace, my tongue red as a teacher's pen is. <laughs> so I'm going to go about five to, to ten minutes more and then I'm going to stop. And, and I have gifts for you all um, because, as I've said to you already, I love you. <laughs> All right, so um, hmm, hmm. <laughs> all right, so I think I have time for about three more. We'll do that. Three more. Um, a love poem. A love poem. A love poem. Cause making love is about love. Here we go. 
This is a poem called Out My Hands, and it's a modern love poem um, because nothing could make um, having children better than figuring out ways to completely separate um, the bodies that make the children um, from each other um, and doing it like in a completely abstracted cybernetic kind of method. Um, so this is a modern love poem called Out My Hands. Just because I'm jerking off don't mean I don't want babies. The doctor's coat is panty white. Here, nothing's clean as panties. I don't know where she takes my wife, but surely there's a mattress. I'm hunkered in the men's room watching someone get sucked off, wishing someone bend another over something. This spit of mine's too filthy and could kill these kids to be, so I stroke bone dry to fill the sterile cup. It's days before the smut flakes off my cock, but so what? When a curtain and a surgeon saw furrow into N, there'd been seven months of hurling for her waist to turn vagina. That's some woman you got there, boy. <laughs> love them. And, um, <laughs> love, right? Now, 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 when. Oh, <laughs> See? You got that? It's okay. It is okay. These jokes are on time, time release capsule. <laughs> You know, it's like you should not, you should not grasp ignorance right away. It's like it should take you a moment to be like, what is happening? Oh, oh, he's being ignorant. That's, that's what you should do. So I'm going to do a couple more poems. And then, and again, thank you all very much. And, the, and, the, and these, the last two poems I'm going to do um, um, are both about, uh, at some level, um, involve television. Um, when my wife was sick, when my wife Nicole was sick, you'll have to forgive me. I I haven't been saying her name not because I think of her as some kind of an object, but like I'm trying to respect her privacy. But half of you always know her, Nicole, when she was sick. <laughs> um, she was uh, she had hyperemesis, um, and hyperemesis is essentially like um, morning sickness on steroids. Um, she could not eat, of course. But she couldn't even drink water without vomiting. Um, so she was placed on an IV um, so that she could get nutrition um, throughout the course of her pregnancy. And it struck me at um, one point in this that when you read in oftentimes, uh, you, know, uh, you know, for first worlders, history books, right? And you read, oh, you know, but, the, but, but she died in childbirth or died while pregnant. You begin to realize how close um, we are to that. She couldn't eat at a time when her body needed nutrition to grow two more bodies. The kids were fine at first, and doctors will tell you this, the, the kids are fine because they essentially eat um, the mom. And if there's an, you know, uh, you know they, they will, they'll be fine until there's no more um, matter to consume. Um, Nicole loves home improvement shows. And she watched these shows um, while she was on bed rest for the bulk of her pregnancy. And then she watched another show called Deliver Me, which you'll hear about in a minute. Anyway, this is home shows. And I don't think I've ever read this out anywhere. So this is a w w w w world premiere. <laughs> home shows. Belly swollen, overrun, and regards those crumbling homes. Each TV dawn. Their owners groan, we didn't know. 
Then man hammers holes in cellar walls, while woman boots loose window sills. Who did this wiring? Tuts hard hat's yellow shell at a nest of knots and copper coils. This plumbing's a mess of running rust. All's awry behind the paint-smooth face. And pukes blank juices, flushes her tubes with saline, fading, waking as each ruin tumbles into another. I want to see the end, she mumbles, half in dream, when pickups gallop across the sod. Tools gleam in gutted rooms. Expectant houses beam like new, like new. And finally, I'm going to end with a poem called In the End They Were Born on TV. Um, uh, before I do that, I, I'm going to plug another event. Um, well, first of all, do come back to Skylight to see their other readers. Do come back to Skylight to buy all of your books. Um, come back here. If you're not already a regular, come back. You get a chance to look at the books after you've stopped fawning over mine because it's very distracting because this book is awesome. Um, after you've stopped doing that, be kind to the other books who don't feel like they're as loved as my awesome book, which you all be fawning over. Um, uh, you know, make sure you look at some of the other books. You'll see, gosh, they have fantastic books, books that are almost as awesome as this book. But you know, but but you know, buy some out of pity. but make it feel real for them by buying my awesome book, which shows that they're like, oh my gosh, I'm in that class. <laughs> uh, next week on uh, Thursday at 8.30 at Red Cat, um, Fred Moten, um, who many people in this room are familiar with, poet, theorist, insane madman of, of knowledge, um, and I don't mean that euphemistically, um, uh, will be here presenting on The Sustain, The Black Sustain. Um, and I will be moderating that um, presentation. So again, 8.30 at Red Cat next week. Um, please get down there if you can. I'm going to plug Yona Harvey as well. Yona Harvey, who is, um, there are two people who basically encouraged me to write poetry in college. One is Nicole. She's sitting right there. The other. Nicole, she's back, she's back. She was taking the kids over there. Um, the other is a poet named Yona Harvey, um, who um, I've known since 2000, uh, since 1992, um, and met through a gentleman there named Kemp Powers, who I've also known for that long. Was also, um, at first was encouraging me to write comic books, and then later said, okay, well, let's talk about poetry a little bit. We had a long debate about Spike Lee poetry and all that kind of stuff about 10 years or so ago. Um, but um, Yona just uh, was awarded the Kate Tufts Discovery Award for her first book of poetry, which came out um, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, yeah, a year and a half ago. Um, it's called Hemming the Water, um, and she will be in Pomona in Claremont on April 10th. Um, so look for that. Come see that reading, because also Arthur uh, Michael Weaver will be there. Because he won the Kingsley Tufts, which is like $100,000. Poets ain't poor. <laughs> except when they're not winning Lifetime Achievement Awards. Um, all right, so this next poem is called In the End, They Were Born on TV. And um, there's a funny story about this. <laughs> that will kind of come through the poem. But anyway, 
uh, Nicole and I were a difficult case uh, in terms of uh, we were considered as having at risk, um, an at risk pregnancy. So you see in the language of at risk schools, our children were already branded as at risk. Um, <laughs> and we had, we were at a, a hospital um, in Glendale and one day I got a call from the doctor um, who said, yeah, I'm giving up your case, it's too hard, um, you're gonna be working with uh, some doctors at Good Samaritan. And I was like, uh, huh, what? Uh, and, and they said, no, we've already checked it out with your insurance, it's fine. Uh, thank you for playing, bye. Okay, so I called this new, new doctor, and I said, yes, we can fit you in in about two weeks. And I said, my wife has been going in to see her doctor twice a week. I'm not waiting two weeks, we didn't ask to be shifted. Um, you need to see us now. And so we were able to go in later that week. Um, and the doctors that were great, it was really great. We found something out though, because Nicole was looking at the doctor, that Allison Hill, and she said, she looks familiar to me for some reason. And uh, later we figured it out when they sent us a, a, a sheet saying, would you like to be on Deliver Me? Um, and she recognized it right then. Dr. Allison Hill is one of the three doctors on this reality TV show called Deliver Me, which at first, when it first started, chronicled the lives of these three doctors. All, all three of them went to school together and they were all at Good Samaritan. And, you know, my sister, my best friend, my rock, is like the theme song. And I was like, how can they juggle their lives as young doctors with families while they're trying to bring other families in life? It was this really, you know, this thing. But then as that story kind of got like, hey, well, let's pay attention to the, like the, the people who they're treating, um, they began to get more uh, involved in following the stories of the people whose pregnancies they were treating. And apparently, I mean, I guess a, an infertile black couple is like finding a unicorn. So they, so they, they, they wanted us to be on the show, right? And Nicole is totally like anti-Hollywood, Hollywood. She was like, you know, I watched this show um, while I was sick and it helped. Um, I've been sick and I've watched the show. And so we said, okay, we do it. And, uh, it was a weird experience. Um, my mother-in-law was there for one of the tapings where they came to our house. Um, she was there for all of it, actually. Every time they were, we were at doctor's office, she was there. I, you know, like, I might be traveling, so she was always there, and Nicole was always there. Um, as far as I know, the episode never officially aired because it, it went from uh, Discovery Health to the Oprah Network, the OWN Network, and they haven't programmed it regularly, so I don't know when it is there. But we have DVDs and proof, so I didn't just like make this up to have a cool angle on a poem. <laughs> In the end, they were born on TV. One, good reality TV. A couple wanted to be to be, and TV wants the couple to be to be on TV. The people from TV believe we'd be good TV because we had wanted to be to be and failed and now might. To be good at TV, make like TV isn't. Make like living in our living room and the TV crew isn't there and the boom isn't there, saving the woman from TV's voice that won't be there, saying, tell us about the miscarriage in the teeming evening and some dog barking at all we cannot hear. Two, would you be willing to be on TV? People in their house on TV are ghosts haunting a house haunting houses. Pregnant women in their houses on TV are haunted houses haunting a house haunting houses. Our living room a set set for us ghosts to tell ghost stories on us. Would you be to be on TV? To be the we we weren't to be and the we we're to be to be on TV? The pregnant woman agrees to being a haunted house, haunting flickering houses. Yes, okay, yeah, yes. Three, forms. 
in the waiting room for the doctor to TV the pregnant woman's insides out on a little TV on TV. Filling a form on TV is to flesh into words on a sheet that fills up with you. Yes, yes, and turn to the receptionist, only to turn back to a ghost waiting to be officially haunted. Yes. A magazine riffles itself on TV. Loud pages. A startled parrot calls your name, then alighting on magazines. And waddle the hall, you to be in the TV crew that isn't going to be there on TV, and the doctor and you are looking at her little TV on TV. The doctor says, see, there they are. Ghosts sound themselves out to flicker on the little TV. There they go, to the pregnant woman scared to be such good TV. Four, cut. To one more time from the top yourself is to, ta-da, breathing. The curtain drops, plush guillotine. Would you talk about the miscarriage one more time? Ta-da! Five, all the little people out there. After she was a haunted house, before we haunted us for TV, then the pregnant woman watched TV, vomit on her teeth like sequins. Our TV stayed pregnant with the people from TV's TV show, pregnant with haunted houses, wailing, then smiling up into our living room. It helps, she said, of the people from TV's TV show. So yes, then to TV to help, she said, the haunted houses in the living rooms, we said yes, to help those thousands of wailing houses. Six, only with some effort. The best ghosts trust they're not dead. No, no, the best ghosts don't know how not to be alive, like being good at TV. Inside the pregnant woman, the to-be of the family who failed, but now might be to be, were good TV. But the we who failed butterfingered and stuttered, held our hands like we just got them. We've been trying so long, we said. We can't believe it. This is finally happening. Seven, scheduled C-section, reality TV. And they're born made of meats on TV. The doctor voilas them from the woman's red guts into the little red punch bowls. The new mother says, I want to see them, my babies. The doctor shoves the new mother's guts back, express lane grosser. The demure camera good TVs up two meat babies into wailing ghosts. Off the new mother's blood like spilled nail polish. Eight, ghost stories. Did you know about dogs and ghosts? One barking at one's nothing. Nine, the miscarriage, exposition for reality TV. It helps to be on TV. We want to be good on TV. Okay, yes, to help we want to be good TV. Yeah, yes, please tell me about the miscarriage. The woman from TV wants good TV and something specific that gets you right in the tear to the eye to milk the pregnant woman's breast heavy with... Good. We talk about the dead one on TV. It was horrible. The blood was everywhere that morning. A dog barks. One more time from the top. It was horrible. The blood was everywhere. Dog on dog goes on. On to take three. And it was horrible. Boom in the boom goes the barking. And bad TV. Bad TV. We want to help being good TV. Please tell me about the miscarriage. One more time it was after the C-section was more like. The doctor shoving the new mother's guts in. Jilted lover packing a duffel. Eleven. Talking about the miscarriage behind the scenes. Please tell me about the miscarriage. 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 The fifth take and it was horrible. That's all. They call them takes. Again, we're robbed. Twelve. Did it help watching a house fill with haunting every room or help haunting the house? Watch! Here we are, an expanding family of ghosts. We aren't here, but yes, okay, yeah, yes. Did it help? And even now, yes. No, they were born on TV. But before, it was horrible, wasn't it? Must have been. Please tell me about the miscarriage, for I don't know how not to be telling. And the dog growls still and still and still. Thank you.
You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.